This is Pragmatic Follow-Up Part A for Episode 30, Coffee. Follow-Up for this month is sponsored by Harvest. Harvest lets you start and stop a timer for any task you might be doing, anywhere you might be doing it. Mobile devices, desktop, web browser, and so on. You can keep track of your time. If you're doing client work, it's handy to know what projects and tasks are taking your time. But even better, you can use that information to create invoices directly through Harvest, which integrates easily with PayPal and Stripe. Check out Harvest at getharvest.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial and start tracking your time and invoicing others simply and painlessly. Once your 30-day trial is over and you've realized how great Harvest is, use the coupon code PRAGMATIC at the checkout and you'll save 50% off your first month. And that applies to any of their plans. Hurry, though, because this offer expires on January 15th, 2015, so be quick. Uh, I'm John Chigi and uh, joining me is Marco Arment. How you doing, Marco? Good, how are you? Very good, thank you. Well, we got quite a little bit of fo- uh, follow-up on that episode, uh, so I thought we should probably start talking about a few things. First of all, um, I've actually, my setup has improved uh, since that episode. <laughs> Mine has gotten worse. Yours has gotten worse? All right, let's start with that. <laughs> that sounds far more interesting. What happened? Yeah, well, because as you know, the <laughs> during the setup of this show, right as you called me on Skype, I learned that the uh, the amp for my mic had died whoops or the preamp i guess they call it so uh i I had to quickly switch and delay the show by a few minutes to switch back to my old mic so i have i have had a mic downgrade that is usb powered at least so i i can get around that problem so sorry for sounding slightly worse than i usually do but the same as i sounded for years before i got the fancy mic there you go sampling noise i don't know it's terrible 16 bit a to d i think it is or whatever it's a that's the right podcaster isn't it that you're, it is, yeah. yeah. Is that is that why? That, well, because the bigger the biggest problem I think with the road podcaster is, and you, you know, you can hear it. I, you know, a lot of people blame the ADC. I don't think mm. it's that noticeable. Yeah. I, I think the bigger problem is like it. It just has like a certain resonance, a certain mid range frequencies that make people sound a little bit harsh. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's probably a bit of both. It's the sort of thing I think that if you know what to listen for, you can sort of tell that it's a road podcaster, but m- probably not so much. From the thing is, that Skype is also going to filter all that out. So when I hear the raw audio, I'd probably hear it. But you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I mean, I'm I'm much the same. The ATR twenty one hundred has a, a lot more um, switching noise than you've got from a um, from a road podcaster. So it's far more noticeable with my old crummy mic. But the uh, but the Hiles doing okay. So I've had a lot of um, positive feedback about it. So that's pretty. I'm happy with that, but anyway, you sound fine anyway, so it's all good. Uh, but no, when I actually said setup, I actually referred to my coffee setup, not my microphone. Oh, well, this is a podcast where you can only talk about podcasts. Oh, God, yeah, that's right, it's one of those. Okay, so um, getting back on topic, um, wow. Okay, so I um, I know how much you um, enjoyed me describing my milk frother slash warmer last time, so you'll be happy to know that particular one <laughs> is no longer in use. Um, which was the uh, stainless steel mug thingy with the plunger thing that, to froth the milk up? Yeah, okay, that was that was that was bad. So instead, I've invested in a um, Breville BMF three hundred, I think it is, and uh, what it is is it's a, a milk warmer and frother uh, in the one. It's uh, what it does is you um, you pour in pour the milk in oddly, and um, this thing has a uh, a small spinning element in the middle of the bottom uh, of the. Uh, of the cup that basically is uh, inductively spun around and heated by the base. You can set the temperature and basically pour it in, set the temperature, hit go, and away it goes. Uh, and it's got two two different attachments. One will froth it up more than the other. Um, the funny thing is I like a very, very, very small amount of froth in the milk, not too much. 
So the the froth attachment that like really frothes it up is just insane. You end up with this like an inch and a half of froth, and I'm like, okay, that's ridiculous. So anyway, so I never use the extra frothy one. But anyway, look, I know you don't have milk in your coffee, but for anyone else that does, I highly recommend that one. It's very very good. And um, anyway, perhaps more interestingly is my grinder. <sighs> so I had um, lots of votes of support. Um, for being a manual hand grinder. I did. You know, I know how much you... Now, wait. Is this from people who actually do manually hand grind their coffee or who just like the idea of it? Because there, there's a... Like, I like the idea of it until I started doing it when I was traveling and yeah. quickly realized that just bringing tea bags was way easier yeah. than trying to hand grind my own custom AeroPress coffee on the go. Okay. Well, it, it, I, okay. So, let, I'm not, I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to name names, but Nicholas Ward, Marcus Wetherill, um, Ravzen, because I don't actually know what his full name is, um, and he's only using his manual grinder because his electric grinder died. Okay, so that's partial credit. Uh, ben Sai, um, he uses uh, the third click on his Hario grinder, and Steve Ahrens. So thank you to all those guys for backing me up that hand grinding is awesome. So now let me disappoint you all by saying I don't hand grind anymore. I've actually... <laughs> I'm surprised. <laughs> you are, I, I am shocked. You are shocked, stunned, yeah. and totally amazed. Yeah, I know. Um, so, I got myself a Baratza Preciso. Preciso. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, well, you went really high up there. Ah, uh, yeah, but I did because I had to. Because the local... Uh, sometimes being in Australia sucks when it comes to getting, you know, harder to get items. So, um, I had a look originally at the Virtuoso, which is the one that you'd recommended. And uh, a lot of people, frankly, on on forums and so on, speak very highly of. Anyway, so I went for that one originally and the distributor in Australia, there's only one distributor for Baratza and that's um, Five Senses Coffee. And so I, and they're in Western Australia, I think. So anyway, so I messaged them and said, hey, this is no longer showing up on your website. What's the story? And they said to me, well, unfortunately, most of our customers prefer to spend a little bit more and get the next model up because it's got a far more better range of, uh, of grind settings, significantly more. And once you did, once I did the comparison, because these things are very heavy, they're very big uh, electric motors in these things, so they're quite heavy and solid and robust, as I'm, I'm sure you know, and that makes it an expensive proposition to ship. So getting it from anywhere else in the world was going to cost me almost the value of the grinder in shipping. So it worked out cheaper to get it through the local distributor, such that it would cost me the same amount of money to get the next model up, which is what I ended up doing. So That's reasonable. Yeah, it came down to that. And um, it's a beautiful grinder. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, okay. So, no, I do not hand grind anymore. <laughs> I still have it on the shelf just in case I ever change my mind and I need to be, feel that that beautiful, um, tiring feeling. But anyway, okay. So, what's next? What's next? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, and I'm, 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 I use the bin to grind into. They, you can actually get a portafilter, like the Espresso um, filter basket for these things. But seeing as how I'm using an AeroPress, I didn't really see the point, uh, I guess, if I had a uh, an actual ridiculous machine. But then again, if you're going to spend that kind of money on a, on a machine that does it all, you'd have a grinder built into the machine, surely. I don't know. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't count on that. No? Well, it depends. I mean, if, if it's one of those like totally all-in-one systems, then, yeah, I guess, I guess most of those do come with grinders. But... If you uh, if you go like really high end, like into like you know prosumer or professional uh, level stuff, I mean, first of all, that's a ton of money for espresso. But uh, I would expect that would keep things separate because in an actual 
you know, low-end commercial or high-end prosumer environment, you would have those things be separate roles. Yeah, I suppose. I was just because I, 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 I'm, I've looked at different because you know now I pay attention when I go on, when I have a coffee. I look at the machine that they use to make it, and a lot of the machines. Uh, it, I guess it depends. I, I, now that I think about it, you're right. Actually, some of the machines they do, some of them they don't. But um, in any case, um, I, I, I just I use the. Um, I use the bin on my grinder and I use the AeroPress scoop to measure and I haven't quite got to the point of weighing my coffee, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, I also am really happy that I found someone local to me. This doesn't really affect anybody other than well, me probably, but um, Glasshouse Mountains Coffee is just up the road from me and they roast their own. So yes, um, I'm very happy with that. So uh, that's always handy to have. And we're gonna, I want to talk a little bit about um, the cold press, like cold pressed coffee. Cold brew coffee? Cold brew coffee. Is somebody using an AeroPress with ice? Okay, here's what I did. Okay. I I kind of made it... Have you you created a new kind of coffee method? (laughs) I think I accidentally made... (laughs) I had accidental cold press coffee and it was just weird. Um, So, here's the thing. Sometimes... (laughs) I'm I'm again surprised. Sometimes, you know, when it's like five in the morning and you're making a coffee, you forget things like, I don't know, turning on the kettle. And... Your brain doesn't connect the fact that when you're pouring it, there's no steam coming out. And you're like, okay. And then you press the thing down and you pour it in. You're like, that's funny. There's no steam in this thing. What's going on? And you realize that you've just made a cup of coffee with cold water. And I'm in the AeroPress. And that it was just a bit weird, you know? But, it, you know, it, it, hmm. So, anyway, I did a bit more research about this. And we actually got some, some feedback about um, a company called uh, Toddy's. And have you come across this uh, before? Uh, cold, cold. Yeah, I actually have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the toddy's been around for a long time. You know, cold brew is, as a trend, I think pretty recent. I think like in the last couple of years, it started becoming trendy and in demand. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the toddy cold brew system has been around for as long as I've been a coffee nerd, which is longer than the last few years at least. Uh, I think it's fairly old, and. Uh, it's basically like it's like the AeroPress of cold brew. It's like the the least sexy but just as effective way to make cold brew <laughs> compared mm-hmm. to uh, like if you know if you go to a trendy coffee shop these days, you'll see these these giant like glass tower. They look like a science lab. Usually like the, these like handcrafted upscale Japanese cold brew systems that it just you know there's like there's like it looks like like a like a whiskey distillery or like or, or a science lab. It's like all these big coiled glass tubes and these big like little at this big tank then everything flows down into a little tiny spout and it slowly drips the coffee out into this into the cold brew basin and it's very very fancy looking however from from what i understand uh from people who are more into these things the toddy is just as good at cold brew because the the way cold brew works is not particularly finicky It, it it like it's basically it's basically brewing coffee, but using not hot water, and so the process of getting the coffee into solution, or whatever the the technical term would be, uh, it just takes a little bit longer. Yeah, and it does taste very different. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and and you know, some people like the taste. I I personally don't care for it, but uh, but I I recognize why a lot of people like it. Um, it's not acidic in any way. Well, and you got to be careful with the word acidic. Yeah, okay. Because know you know, bitterness maybe. That's yeah, yeah. Like, like, like it. A lot of people have different. You know, there, there's the scientific definition of like acid versus base, like on the pH scale, yeah. and then there, there's like 
people associate it with stomach acid and heartburn, and that's a little bit differently caused too. And and it's also there's a taste. There's like an acidic taste, uh, mm-hmm. like a citrus, or so. It, it's 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 a hard word to use in a way that's not going to mislead somebody. And unfortunately, that's very prevalent in the, in the cold brew scene where yeah. a lot of people will say, "Oh, I, I need I need to drink, or I prefer to drink cold brew because it's lower acid." And that's I don't think there's a lot of uh, science behind like benefits of that, uh, except it does taste different, and it, and it does lack the the acidic taste accent that hot brewed coffee has usually. So it does taste different. I'm not, but I, I would be very hesitant to to assume or to even tell anybody that there's uh, any difference to things like stomach acid. Yeah, sure. Well, the bottom line, um, and um, thanks all, just just quickly to John. Uh, Pol- Polakek, I think it's pronounced for, for sending in that link about the the, uh, the Toddy's cold brew stuff. When my understanding is, because the, the temperature is much lower, you need to have a much longer, um, well, call it steeping time, I guess, uh, of the cold of the cold water in the coffee grounds in order to extract uh, anything from it. And my problem, I think, was that when I made my accidental cold <laughs> cold pressed coffee, um, that uh, unfortunately was not. It was not actually suspended in solution long enough. It was, there was not enough time to actually leach out much of the flavor. So I actually got um, <laughs> a very weak tasting. Yeah, so it's not representative of what a cold brew coffee would really feel like. It was just a you know mistake, and oh well. Yeah, that would have sucked. Well, and <laughs> yeah. and, and you know the way the way cold brew works. It's have you ever seen those sun tea pitchers? It's just like a giant clear pitcher that you put ice water and tea bags in and it makes quote sun tea uh no and you're supposed to like leave it outside in the sun and it brews your tea seriously you, you don't have those in australia no that's this is weird. this is like it's, it's at least an american thing it's it's mostly bought by hippies <laughs> um, my mom of course has had many of these things and and it's it, it works in the sense that many new age things quote work in that they can achieve the desired effect but the reason why it works has nothing to do with being in the sun it's because if you put tea bags in water at pretty much any temperature long enough, it will brew the tea. You know, yeah. so it it works just because it's sitting in the sun. You could put it in the closet and it would work at pretty much the same speed, um, give or take minor temperature differences. Yeah. So cold brew coffee works very similarly. Like if you put coffee beans or coffee, if you put coffee grounds and water into a solution and leave them there long enough, it will brew. Like it it will eventually get there. Uh, and the, the, the vessel that it's sitting in doesn't have a whole lot to do with that. If if it's, if it's on the colder end of the scale, like if it's a hot brew, then you have, you you have things changing faster. You have more extraction, you have different, you know, flavor changes happening faster because the, the heat of the water, you know, increases the speed of, of this process. But sitting there in, in cold water, it's just, it's a very slow process and it can be sitting in pretty much anything. The, The main difference like with with the toddy and other systems like that compared to just like putting it in i don't know a mason jar and putting the lid on mm-hmm. the main difference is that the, the systems that are built for this tend to have some kind of filtering built in because uh, if you if you have to like filter it manually after it's done brewing and you just have this giant you know jar of coffee with grounds in it it's kind of a pain to filter that you can pour it through a, a paper filter but it takes a while stuff like that so if you use one of the, one of the pre-made systems it's it's easier it's not necessarily particularly different tasting or clearly better. Yeah, and so that that's why like the the toddy system is cheap. I think isn't it like thirty bucks or something? I, I, I it didn't. probably depends on where you are. Oh, but. There's, there's a link in the show notes. Check it out. I actually didn't uh, check to see how much it cost to be honest. But um, 
yeah. So yeah, I, it's it's a very yeah thirty seven dollars on Amazon, thirty five dollars on Amazon. Yeah, but so it's you know it's it's an inexpensive system. It's really just like a big plastic thing, and you stick it over a jar. I mean, it, it couldn't be simpler and less sexy, but it. <laughs> If you like cold brew, it, it probably works just as well as everything else. Yeah. Um, Would you define the AeroPress as sexy then, by, in contrast? Not even close. <laughs> no, that's why I said like the AeroPress is similar. It's like what what frustrates a lot of coffee uh, snobs and and people who love like the boutique, handmade, high end Japanese glass things. Like yeah. what frustrates a lot of them about the AeroPress is that it's not fancy. Mm. And what's even more frustrating is that like if you, if you put it in taste tests next to all these fancy machines, usually the AeroPress either ties or wins. Yeah. And so yeah. you have this like $25 plastic plunger that is made by a Frisbee company <laughs> and it is the best coffee maker in the world. <laughs> and that's got to drive people... Like, I remember reading a couple years ago that some some group did a big taste test against the Clover, the, the $11,000 machine and Starbucks ended up buying the company, big drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and, and people... It, and same thing, I think it either matched or exceeded the the ratings of the Clover wow. for twenty five dollars. And and I and I've had Clover coffee, and not at Starbucks. Well, I had I did have it at Starbucks, but I also had it at uh, Cafe Grumpy in Brooklyn. Wow. And mm-hmm. it I've had I've had Clover coffee, and it is yeah, it's good, but it's not better than the AeroPress. So it's I don't see, I don't think it's worth the hassle. But anyway, so like it drives people nuts in in the world of fancy coffee equipment when the cheap unsexy plastic thing is just as good or better than the fancy thousands of dollars you know custom boutique thing but that's just how it is sometimes yeah and i think that's overall we're better off for it because now like i'm not going to have an eleven thousand dollar coffee machine in my house yeah but i can get a 25 dollar error press for and i can recommend that to pretty much anybody yeah exactly and i've had a lot of um, people have come back and have said as a result of our episode they've gone invested in one and they've uh, and they've loved their error press so um yeah it, <laughs> they've invested in a 25 dollar plastic plunger well you know so i mean but the point is that you know it, it is it is a good product and you know it sells itself you know irrespective of whether or not i should have asked for a cut um from a Roby when i you know we did the episode but never mind but people people do love this the aeropress and i love mine so it's all good but um okay right so a few more observations um about that that i've had since since the last episode it's actually been two months since uh, Geez, two and a bit months since we talked about this. So, um, and I'm further along in the, my journey, if you want. Anyway, that sounds a bit weird when I say that. Okay, so um, I found that freshly ground coffee will actually come off the rubber plunger on the end of the AeroPress almost perfectly cleanly when I when you pop it off into the bin. Uh, but if it's not freshly ground, even as much as like 12 hours later, uh, it doesn't come off. It's sort of like it sticks to the rubber that's what I found anyway. And um, I know it's a little thing, but still, it's uh, interesting. Um, the clumpiness of it. And that is totally not a That's You know, I've I've noticed inconsistency in like when my coffee sticks more than other times. Yeah. And usually it doesn't stick. So that maybe that's it. I don't know. I uh, I just assumed it was either, you know, fairly random on like how exactly I squeezed at that time or, you know, how much water was left on it or how long. And if you If you wait... Even a couple of minutes before cleaning it, before pop- popping the grounds mm-hmm. off, um, I it usually gets harder and worse. Okay. Uh, like if you do it immediately, it's usually better, and it's, pro- it's probably because there's more there's more moisture like against the plunger. Mm. But I don't know. Mm. It could be actually because once you fin- once you take the pressure off, then any moisture that's on that that boundary layer would be drawn back into the grounds because there's no more pressure forcing it out. So maybe that is it. I don't know. I might try that and see how it goes. But it's just one of those things that I observed and I thought, okay, well, it seems to happen. 
because I, I tend to, I've gotten into a routine and I tend to you know, take it off at the same time. So I'll clean it the same amount of time after I've actually pressed pretty much irrespective of what grounds I use. And I and I have to pre-grind stuff because again, the ground grind is you know, brilliant, it's wonderful, I love it, but it's also incredibly loud, even much louder than my hand grinder. And that causes a problem because if, if I'm doing this at you know five in the morning, I, I'll wake everyone up if I did that. It's it's already bad enough with the kettle and the, um and and the milk frother. But um you know it's like I ca- I, I can't run the grinder at five a.m. You know um I will wake everyone and then they will you know come out in zombie mode and murder me before I get a chance to go to work. So yeah, it's one of those things that I pre-grind and store in an airtight container. And I've noticed that when I do that, it affects you know the pre-grinding really does affect it. So we'll get to that in a minute though. All right, so um, we talked about concentrations and I had a few people come back and, and quiz me a little bit about how much I use because I wasn't sure at the time. So what I've done is um, just some numbers for the people that are interested is that I have a large thermos cup, which I didn't talk about in the actual episode, but um, in fact, I may have even bought it after the episode. I'm not sure, but anyway. and oh, No, 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 that's right. I did have it for the episode. Anyway, but uh, this particular cup, it um, holds about 500 mils. Um, I've... I should have figured out what that is in fluid answers, but anyway. And uh, so... It, 16.9. There you go. Very good. Thank you, sir. So, it, uh, call it a 16-ounce cup then. And uh, I use three uh, cups, little AeroScoop, AeroPress scoops. Now, I weighed I weighed that and it works out at around about... So, you, you used eight grams if with a three setting on your AeroPress or 12 grams of the four setting on your AeroPress. That's right. Yep, and you have one or two cups per day. Covered that last time. Now, this is the bit that shocked me, is that I only ever make um, the four setting equivalent, which is about 250 mils of coffee. I actually use three scoops worth weighs at my grind setting weighs 44 grams. So, I'm actually using (laughs) an insane amount of coffee. And I did not realize how much I was making until you told me. I'm like, I I checked, I double checked, and I triple checked. And I'm like, holy crap, I am making like three times the concentration. Well, I think I'm the weird one here. I think I'm the one making too little coffee just because I can't handle more caffeine than what that has in it. Um, if If you get like, if you go to a fancy coffee shop and you get a pour over, uh, you get a, you know a place like in the U.S. we have Stumptown and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like if if you go to one of these fancy places, um, you can get a fancy pour over. Now if you if you ask them or if they if they if you pay attention, how much coffee they're using to make a small pour over, and their small is I'm pretty sure 16 ounces roughly. It's yes. you know about the same amount, so about 16 ounces. To make 16 ounces worth of pour over, they usually use something on the lines of 22 to 32 grams, and that's a lot. Mm. Not as much as you're using, apparently, mm-hmm. but but that is that is a lot. But in order to get that amount of flavor out of pour over or drip, you have to use a lot. Yeah, like this is one of the reasons I I prefer the AeroPress is because you get a very bold flavor. You get a, you get a very strong amount of flavor out of using relatively little coffee, and so because I can't have more than that for caffeine reasons, uh, I'm able to have just overall like better and more coffee with an AeroPress than I would be able to with with drip or pour over. Yep. Well, I really need to consider maybe two scoops, but I find that I like the three, so I kind of... Hmm. But anyway... (laughs) One thing, how finely are you grinding? Ah, okay, yes. That was the next thing. So, I'm using setting number six on on my grinder, which is... And that goes up to 40? Uh, Yes, that's right. It's the same grind settings, I think, as the 
as the Virtuoso, but it's got the fine grind between A to K for each of those settings. So between a 1 and a 2, you've got A to K as well. So you can have like a 1A or a 1K. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I, I, That's crazy. I know, but I leave it in the middle. Like I don't really care about that fine grinding. It's just like, okay, whatever. But um, I'm not... I'm not I've already explained why I got the model I did. But anyhow, so yeah, setting number six uh, is what you use. And um, yeah, I use the same. So yep. I, I, I imagine it's the same. I'm, I'm surprised. Like, you know what? You know what it probably is? <laughs> How much milk are you putting in? Uh, yeah, well, this is the thing, isn't it? So I, I, like having <laughs> it as a, I like having it as a latte. And technically, it's actually not a latte because I'm doing 50-50, right? So I'm doing half, half milk, half coffee. So I reckon that if I cut out the milk and I just went to straight black coffee, that I could probably get away with only the two scoops or maybe even even the one. Because uh, having that much coffee in the AeroPress is an issue for pressing it, especially if you go too fine a grind. But the other thing I found that was interesting is that freshly ground coffee is much harder to press compared to coffee that's been pre-ground. Once it's pre-ground and it's dried, it's a lot easier to press it for the same grind setting which I've sort of experimented with, which is you know, interesting. But I suppose probably not too probably not too surprising because when you grind it, that'll that allows a lot of that moisture that was trapped inside the coffee bean to actually, you know, dissipate. So the uh, actual That's interesting. Yeah. So but see from your point of view Yeah, I, I that's I I wonder if that's actually what's happening there or not. Because it could be like, you know, fr- like the fresher the coffee is, the more CO two comes out of it when water hits it. Yes. And and so maybe what makes it hard to push fresher coffee is you're getting all this air backing up in the press as you're pushing down. It's possible, but I don't know. That's that's worth scientific people uh, <laughs> telling us about. Well, but yeah, there is this. <laughs> I, I so it, I, I just realized like so you're saying you're using like 44 grams on an air press. Yeah, I know that. So when I make iced coffee, mm-hmm. I make. So uh, my my method of making iced coffee with the AeroPress is to make as the strongest concentrate that I that I possibly can, which an AeroPress, of course, as I've been talking about, is great for. Mm. Uh, and then I use the, I use that concentrate to make short iced coffees, like in an old fashioned glass. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, add a little. So anyway, um, and to do that, I I've established that roughly like the most coffee I can generally fit comfortably in an AeroPress is about forty grams. Okay. <laughs> And to think that you're doing this every day yeah. as your main cup, that is crazy. Yeah, I know. That is, I mean, in addition to just being a lot of caffeine, I mean, that's that's one thing. But that's also, that's got to be expensive. And that's just, that's so much coffee. To, like, oh, I can't even imagine. Yep. Well, this is, like I said, is that once I have a... you got to realize that I have no basis for comparison, um, except talking to you. Because most of the people that I talk to with coffee will just go down to... You know the coffee joint in the basement of the building, and get that get that coffee, which is a you know, it's a, a thing called Toby's Estate is the bean that they use. Uh, but it's all right. But you know it's it's store bought coffee, right? So I'm I'm used to now doing it my way. But I have no basis for comparison. So you know I, I just kept adding scoops till I liked the taste, <laughs> and I kind of went up to three. <laughs> wow. So yeah, okay. Try try dropping the milk. And yeah, and then because if if you're trying to get a very strong coffee flavor while also adding half of it being milk, yeah, that's a lot of milk to overcome. Like you know, the milk will dull the flavor of the coffee. Yes. So you're having to brew forty four grams. Yeah. 
in order to make one cup of coffee because it's half milk. Yeah. Like maybe I'm pretty sure that's your problem. Yeah. Well, the other thing to keep in mind also, Marco, is because this is a uh, a thermos, it actually keeps it warm for several hours. Like quite quite warm actually. So it'll still be quite warm after two hours. It does take me between one or two hours to drink it. It's not like yeah. I could, whereas if I made it in an open coffee mug, um, if I don't drink that within you know, maybe 30 minutes, it'll be too cold and not not really very nice to drink. So I think that, okay, my, my, my excuse is that I'm making it stronger so it can last longer. There you go. I'm not sure if I even believe that, but I'm going to go with that for the moment. <laughs> All right, let's, wow. let's, let's move on because it, it's, uh, it's, I want to talk about cost because I've sat down, I've crunched the numbers now. I've had time to figure this out. So I, I realized before I even start on this that cost is relative. Okay, obviously this is you know how much it costs me to buy this stuff. It's going to vary depending on where you are in the world. You know, and if you roast your own, again, we talked about that last time because the, the cost argument for that. But I'm talking about pre-roasted coffee. But at that point, that's where I'm drawing the line right now. And I know that's the next step. But believe me, it was hard enough to get to this step, let alone roasting. We'll see what happens in the future. But hey, drop the milk first, and then you get into it because you're you're wasting so much money. Just drop the milk first. Well, okay. Get past that stage. Okay. Well, well, I'll uh, I'll, I'll give that a shot. I'll promise you, I'll give that a shot. So, uh, I, I now have had, had a chance to sample a few different ones, uh, a few different kinds of coffee, quite a few different ones actually. Uh, although Colombian's still on the list, and I feel terrible because I know that's your favorite. So, uh, it's on the list. I will get to it. Wait, what? Colombia? I don't care about Colombia. Kenyan is my favorite. Oh, Kenyan. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'm misremembering. Okay. No, Colombian's boring. Colombian's boring. Okay, good. Well, Kenyan then. Well, I haven't tried either, so there you go. All right, Kenyan. Fine. Um, right. Uh, there's a one of the great things about where I live is that it's there's a whole bunch of different kinds of produce that that grows in the area. Like we have strawberry farms on our back doorstep, macadamia nut farms. Uh, pineapples, uh, they grow, they're nice, but not, not as nice as the ones up in, in the tropics, but they're still pretty decent. Uh, so there's lots of nice, nice stuff that around here. And if you go up into the mountains around near Stanthorpe, close to the border of New South Wales, and you've got all your stone fruits and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's really, really cool where we live, raspberries and so on. One of the other things that we can grow in a very small area of Australia is coffee. And up on the mountain ranges behind where I live, so I say behind where I live, I'm talking about 30 like 20, 30 miles away, but still close-ish. Um, there's a, a place they call themselves Oswana Coffee and they make, uh, they grow their own. It's organic and they roast their own and package it and sell it. It's $28 a kilo. You buy it from their shop front. It's, uh, it's about the same. You buy it online and that includes shipping. So it works out to about $11 US a pound. Uh, so that's not, that's actually not too bad. That's my, now my, my favorite coffee. Um, there's also, I found just sampling around, I mentioned Toby's Estate before, the Glasshouse Mountain Blends. They average about $38 a kilo and that works out to $15 US a pound. So I'm not sure how that compares with um, pre-roasted coffee from that you would get, single origin or, or blends in your area. Um, you Around here, you know, good, good single origin coffee from a reasonable roaster, you're paying a minimum of $16 a pound. Right. Uh, probably if you get it, if you get it from one of the fancier, more upscale like boutique roasters like Stumptown or or places like that, you're looking at more like twenty five to maybe even thirty a pound. Mail order places are usually more expensive. Um, usually mail order places like shipped, you're looking at about thirty bucks a pound. Um, and a lot of times they'll a lot of them have switched to using twelve ounce bags to to <laughs> to try to make it seem not as expensive. Uh, but 
Anyway, I, uh, yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I roast, because I, I can get what I want. But another reason is that unroasted coffee is about five bucks a pound, maybe yep. seven if you get really fancy stuff, mm-hmm. you know. But it's not, it's not much more than that. Uh, and I get it all from SweetMarias.com, which I believe I mentioned last time. Yes. Um, if you're getting into home roasting, Sweet Maria's is by far the best site to not only learn how to roast, but also to buy the roaster and then to buy the beans. Uh, so definitely support them. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... Okay. I, I totally... Any, any argument about coffee cost, if someone has a problem with how much it costs, I totally understand that because a lot of, a lot of good coffee is very expensive. You know, if you're paying... 25 bucks a pound or something that's you know that's that's good money after a while especially if you drink as especially if you drink 44 grams per cup <laughs> who would do such a thing uh yeah so um just the other thing to throw in the cost equation is so just to to continue on my side of things i also have um what i call my cheap backup coffee so when i run out of my nice coffee i've got this cheap backup in the and it's from costco <laughs> um and it's actually a name brand. It's it's a Lavazza Torino Qualitia Oro, I think. I don't know how to pronounce that correctly, but there you go. And it's uh, 20 bucks a kilo, which whatever that works out to in dollars per pound. So, it's actually quite relatively cheap compared to the others. And it's just there in case of emergency and I try not to use it too often. Yeah, it might have even been roasted this year. It possibly, yeah, maybe if you're lucky. You know, don't don't no guarantees. But uh, in any case, it's actually so it's nice, but it's it it needs sweetener. It needs even even sometimes I put syrup. I don't put syrup in my nice coffee. So I buy a Swana coffee or a Glasshouse Mountains blend. I do not actually anymore. I do not add syrups. And half the time now, I'm not even adding sweeteners because I because the the coffee itself just tastes so much nicer. Uh, you don't need it. And this is what I'm finding is the nice coffee. You don't need the sweeteners. You don't need the syrups. You don't need any of that to make it drinkable, which is terrible uh, to suggest. But anyway, uh, so as my taste is sort of changing and evolving, I'm finding that. So it works out to if I make a nice cup of coffee with, um, with uh, the Oswana, for example, it's $1.50 a cup. And you compare and contrast that with what, what you would pay uh, at a you know store-bought coffee. And store-bought coffee could be you know $3.00. Four dollars. You know, some places even uh, you'd be looking at six dollars for that sort of size, depending on where you go. And I can do it for a dollar fifty. So making it at home or, or at work with an AeroPress works out significantly cheaper. It's somewhere between a quarter um, to half the price, depending upon where you get it from. Store compared to store bought. Plus, you get what you want. But if you use the if I use the cheap coffee, I find I got to put sweetener in it, or, or I got to put a syrup in it. Otherwise, it's just it's too blah. It's difficult to drink. I find it unpleasurable to drink. So I'm kind of at that point where it then costs me a dollar sixty because the because the syrup and the sweetener cost money. So you know, shrug. Anyhow, so there you go. I think that the, my conclusion is if you pay a bit extra for a nicer coffee, then you know you don't have to add anything to it, and it works out being cheaper in the long run. So honestly, that's that's my conclusion anyway. You might be the, the, the person who I know who has put by far the most thought into cheap coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's, about, it, it's, it's about economy? I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess so. I, I'm trying to think about why that is now that you've put that up. Hmm. don't know. It's all about... Well, I, I tend to... I can't explain it. I'm just going to run with it. <laughs> okay. This is why I'm here, to just stump you. Yeah, you stump me. Well, I, I, mm, yeah, I'm not really sure what to say. So, all right. Here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to uh, move along through the notes. Okay. So, um, now, I did also measure... Uh, all right. So, I, I talked a little bit about the pressing thing, uh, about how it was har- harder, and I did a bit of research into this. Is about um, 
because when you push uh, water water through sand, there's this effect called granular cohesion. So um, I just thought that was worthy of mentioning is that that the surface tension and granular cohesion is what causes it all to clump together. And so the initial, the more you press, the harder it gets to press after a while, um, which is interesting. But in any case, um, oxalates, right. Now, for those that have, that follow my Twitter feed and, and so on know that I had a bout of kidney stones uh, a few months ago and uh, and that was pleasant and by that I mean it wasn't and my urologist at the time asked me if I drank coffee and I sort of you know did the eyes darting left to right saying maybe and he said well you know do you have it with milk and I'm like okay yes I do I know that Marco doesn't approve, but I do have it with milk. And he said, well, that's good because adding the milk, which you know has lactose in it, is, um, is thought to bind oxalates in the coffee. And oxalates are a naturally occurring um, calcium-based uh, compound uh, that come from different seeds and beans and so on, of which there is some in, in coffee. But the problem is it's actually... Because that was going to be my hands up, hey, Marco, I've got an excuse for adding milk, um, like a medical reason, because it'll prevent... Uh, or it'll apparently prevent getting developing kidney stones in my case because everyone's different, different people pro, different people's kidneys process it differently. So anyway, turns out that there's all these different studies that now say the opposite. So I actually don't know what to think anymore. Um, but my urologist was pretty sure, and I'm going to send him this link. Actually, I only found this link during the week because I was looking into this before the follow-up, and I'm like, yeah, I have to talk about this. So uh, here's a quote from one of the one of the many studies. This is the best one that I found, but it has now been shown, although don't tell me the name of the study or anything about the study. Sure, it's just it has been shown that the amount of oxalate in coffee and tea is actually relatively low, and caffeine affects a particular hormone in the kidney, um, an antidiuretic hormone, in such a way that it leads to the production of a more dilute urine, therefore decreasing the risk of kidney stone formation. So the data currently suggests, it goes on to say, that drinking a single 8-ounce cup of coffee per, per day can e- decrease a patient's risk of developing kidney stones by 10%. Uh, whereas with tea is approximately 8%. And it has nothing to do with the milk in it. So, so much for that urologist trying to tell me that adding adding milk was a good thing because it would be better for kidney stones, but whatever. So, I no longer have an excuse not to have black coffee. There you go. So, you should be happy with that response. And that is definitely the first time that medical common wisdom has ever been completely the opposite of correct. Really? (laughs) Yeah, that's never happened before. Okay. Yeah, it's I, I liken it to the, the butter versus margarine argument. So in another six months, someone will release a thing <laughs> that says, you know, you, you absolutely, if you don't have butter, you know, you're, you're killing yourself. And then it'll be, nope, if you don't have margarine, which is based on canola oil, let's say, you can, you know. <sighs> oh, well. It's complicated. Right. That actually is kind of the current wisdom. <laughs> What is the current wisdom? I don't know. I've, I've, I've given up trying to keep track. Which is the one that's good right now? Butter or margarine? Yeah, butter's, butter's back. But butter, is, butter is now the good, the good guy. Butter is back. But what if it's salted or unsalted? Because salt is bad, apparently. Well, then, yeah, then it's just, you know, then it's just like salt. You know, some salt is fine. A lot of salt is bad. I mean, that's, yeah, that's fine. So I shouldn't be having a teaspoon. With, yeah. No. All right. Actually, it's funny. I caught my oldest son having, having literally having a spoon of, of salt one afternoon. And I'm like, what? <laughs> why? How did that go? I, I don't... I, I, Sometimes kids do things. And you're like, why? Why? I don't get it. Anyway, it's all right. I confiscated the salt. Um, I don't know why I said that, but it's true. It actually happened. Right. Okay. So, um, 
the actual problem of getting towards the bottom of the cup. So I, I, I've done a lot of more thinking and research about this. And because you remember last time I talked about how the taste of the coffee changed as you got down towards the bottom of the coffee. And you said that could it could be caused by the fact it's in a stainless steel, um, yeah, in the thermos. And that could be leaching some flavor into the coffee. And that certainly is a possibility. However, it got me to thinking because I add sugars and or sweetness to my coffee. One of the other problems is that uh, sugars will typically... Well, when, when, okay, so when you add a solid into a liquid, you agitate the solution and that will uh, that'll increase the speed at which it dissolves. But you'll reach a point where you've actually saturated or super saturated the solution to the point at which you cannot actually dissolve anymore. And that's temperature dependent. So if I'm adding sugars or sweetness to my drink, to my coffee, then as the temperature lowers, some of that may precipitate out of solution, and that will affect the taste because it's no longer it's no longer dissolved in solution, so it won't taste as sweet anymore. So the other thing, uh, as well, that I you know that I thought about is that uh, because I add milk to mine, and because you don't add add milk to yours, that will also change because milks uh, the the taste of the milk when you froth it up. Uh, it actually changes the way that your your taste buds interpret or perceive, sorry, its its sweetness because it increases the solubility of the lactose. And, and that effect, because as it sits, all of the bubbles will eventually come out of solution. So that, that frothing up of, a, of, of the milk will actually dissipate to the point at which, um, you know, you've lost that bit of sweetness. So as, as the, the cup sits there, it gets colder. Some of the sugars may come out of solution and... Uh, the the milk will actually start to taste less sweet. So that will all drive it to taste a lot less sweet. Uh, and because of the way that I make my coffee, that actually is a big difference from start to finish and the duration of time also potentially leaching from the container. So um, just thought that was worth mentioning. I've also heard, and I don't know how true this is, I haven't done a lot of research on this, and by that I mean I've done no research on this, <laughs> but I've heard that uh, that 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 coffee like the that certain compounds and it start to break down almost immediately after it's brewed, and so even if you have no external flavor influences, and even if you're not putting a whole bunch of crap in it that's going to then fall out of it like you're doing, mm-hmm. but even if you're not doing any of that stuff, um, the, that the flavor of coffee just changes over time just as these things break down, and it and that very well could be you know just during a few hours you know during the time between when you start a thermos full and you finish it. Um, so I have heard that before. I I don't know if it's true or how true it is, but uh, that certainly sounds plausible. Cool. The other thing that I thought about was backwash. And I know that this is one of those icky sort of subjects, but have you ever heard that? <laughs> um, hey, come on. I've got to cover this. It, someone brought it up. You know how um, you drink out of, let's say, a bottle of Coke uh, and people talk about, well, every time you take a swig and, you know, you actually end up with backwash like saliva back in the drink and by the time you get to the bottom, it's all saliva or something. You ever heard that? What kind of mouth technique are these people using? <laughs> that can? I don't know. So, obviously, I'm, I'm sure there is like a very tiny amount of saliva because, you know, it, the liquid is contacting your lips. And so a very small amount of saliva that is on your lips and near the front of your mouth might fall back down in the glass when the liquid falls back down. But I can't imagine this is a significant amount, especially nowhere near significant enough such that it would eventually totally dilute the liquid in the cup and you'd be left with only your own saliva. That is crazy. Unless unless you're like sipping it into your mouth, swishing it around, and then spitting most of it back (laughs) out for every sip. 
Um, but in that case, I, I think your mouth technique could use some work. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I, you, you're absolutely right. And the problem is that, well, the problem is that I mentioned it. No, the problem is that <laughs> people have actually gone to the trouble of figuring this out uh, because, well, hey, um, there are other people that are just curious like me. So, what do they do? They actually, I found a site that did this as an experiment. Now, this is not, this is kind of like a Mythbusters style of thing. It's like, this, the, the site was called um, Cockeyed Science, which is kind of a funny name, but anyway. Uh, and they did an experiment with a bunch of different kinds of uh, drinking containers. So, everything from, you know, aluminum slash aluminium cans, um, with straws, without straws, you know, coffee cups, you know, that sort of thing. And what they did is they put uh, a dye in their mouth of sorts. Um, anyway, details are in the, the link in the show notes. Have a look if you're interested. And they monitored to see how much of it was actually backwashed and end up back in the drink. Turns out that it has a lot more to do with the kind of container and the skill of the drinker. So, I guess, yeah, whether or not you slosh it around and spit it back in, perhaps. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so they found that the... This is one of those things, like, I never I never realized this is, like, a skill that might substantially differ between people, but I'm sure it yeah, is. Yeah, apparently it is. And uh, they found that aluminium cans and straws were the worst offenders. And I guess when you think about it, it kind of makes sense, because the lip on an aluminium can would retain some of that some of what was left. Uh, but, I mean, again, it depends on your technique, I suppose. But the straw, especially, uh, depending on, on, I guess, how you release this oh god <laughs> i just thought that's it hmm how you release the suction on the straw i guess could draw yeah, some you're not getting out of this i know i know i'm digging a deep hole for myself right now okay anyhow <sighs> so looking at it though saliva is actually 99.5 percent water so guess what coffee is there's another thing is that you know it's not going to sink and separate and this is the thing is that so, so the first first assumption is one that you would get a lot of saliva back in the drink. Second problem is there's a perception that it either rises to the top or sinks to the bottom because it's a different density. Well, no, it's not a different density because it's water. You know, there's a there's like 0.5 percent of other compounds in saliva. You know, and most of which will have no taste. So it's like, well, okay, um, hmm, it's negligible most likely if you're drinking coffee out of any of the standard. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never drank a coffee out of an aluminium can or with a straw. So probably unlikely to be an issue. Um, so I think that the just to wrap up why the, the last few sips taste the way they do, I think the, the best explanation I could find is that it tastes worse because you're sad that it's the last sip of coffee. So go make another one. <laughs> it's also the oldest sip of coffee and the coldest. Yes, exactly. Which is far more, you know, honestly, probably what it is. But there you go. So hopefully that's answered all of the people that um, brought in, uh, yes, all of that feedback. <sighs> yes. So, yeah. Um, you have weird listeners. <laughs> I, have, I have awesome listeners. They're awesome. Okay. Uh, radio. Um, there were some people that had some feedback saying they were listening to the episode whilst they were in a coffee shop and whilst they were drinking coffee, which is kind of nice. There were a few people that were from Stump, in Stumptown and Starbucks. Uh, but anyway, uh, lots of people recommended, just like you did, that I stop putting, quote-unquote, crap in my coffee, uh, which I'm improving on. <laughs> I'm improving on. So, you have had... I hope they actually said it that way. They actually did, yes. So That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, Derek Pedens said he got a new AeroPress after the show. Uh, there were a few others as well, and... Um, uh, and uh, that's always nice. Uh, oh, dear me. Uh, there were lots of people that made, made mentions. Um, most of the amount of feedback I've had about an episode uh, only just edged out another previous episode. But yeah, it was uh, certainly a lot of people. And I, I thought that was odd when we did this originally. But anyway. Uh, 
we also talked about the different blend taglines, you know, the different names, you know, like the mountain blend sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, all the meaningless marketing blends. Yeah, that's it. And oh my God, it's so funny. Sometimes uh, Dean Murphy um, on Twitter sent through a picture for his um, from his roaster of choice. And some of the taglines they used, the two that I thought were hilarious were sticky dates and a jammy wagon wheel. I have no idea. What does a wagon wheel taste like? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what a wagon wheel tastes like, let alone a jammy wagon wheel. But there you go, jammy, as in J-A-M-M-I-E. I don't get it. Maybe that's it. It's, it's an English euphemism for something. I don't know. Like a jammy dodger. I don't know. <sighs> Which is a biscuit I don't get. But never mind that. Oh, sorry. Cookie. Whatever. Right. <laughs> um, a few people in support about uh, how long it takes to hand grind. Uh, Brian Hamilton said it takes him five minutes to hand grind with a, a cup of coffee with his AeroPress. He's uh, suggesting it doesn't take that much longer. Uh, I have my electric grinder and I'm sorry, but now I have to disagree with that. Uh, but anyway. There's a pretty big difference between five minutes and eight seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's true. So five minutes of therapy versus eight minutes of efficiency. Yeah. That's okay. I've fallen on my sword on that one. I can say no more. So, you know that plenty of people actually were, um, some people said ashamedly or proudly that they were drinking Folgers while they were listening to the episode, which I thought that was interesting. So, Brian C., yes, thank you. Yeah. He enjoyed watching the show, uh, listening to the show. God, I said watching, listening to the show um, while sipping Folgers. So, that's great. And for those um, Aussies that ask, it's kind of like um, Nescafe Blend 43. Um, but anyway, because uh, a few people um, mention like what's Folgers because that's an, it's an American brand, so... I'm wondering how it was possible that it took another company 43 attempts <laughs> to make to make a coffee blend that's as bad as Folgers. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. My my problem is that um, I honestly there, there's a history to Blend 43. Like it had something to do with they they had something like 40 or 50 different blends, and it was the one that was the most popular or something. And in blind taste tests or something, there's some there's some history behind it, and I. Oh, God, I'm going to have follow-up for the follow-up on that one. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's an Australian thing and no one else in the world has to drink it. I I, I tried it and I'm like, God, really? But it's sort of the staple. So, you'll go into most workplaces and that's what they'll have. They'll have a, a tin of Nescafe Blend 43 on the table and you can you know make your own instant, instant-ish coffee with it. Which really isn't... Oh, man, I sound so horrible. Do I sound horrible when I say that's not real coffee? Because it just doesn't... Hmm. Anyway, it's well. I try not to judge to when people say that they're drinking horrible coffee, but it's really hard not to judge. It's, it is because your coffee is horrible. Once you've made it, like you grant, once you once you've got nice coffee, you grind it, you press it, you drink it. It's just so much nicer, and you're like, how can you drink that? Well, and there are reasons to drink crappy coffee. You know, like if, if one reason might just be you just don't care, and that's fine. If you don't care, get whatever you can. You know, get, you know, get coffee that satisfies. Things you do care about, convenience, cost, availability, whatever, that's fine. Um, but but if you if you do care and you're if you if you care and you could be drinking fancy coffee and you you just aren't because you like, you know, just don't feel like putting in the effort, um, that's kinda sad to me. Like it's again, like if, if you don't care, fine. Mm, that's great. Yeah. There's lots of things I don't care about and it's easy. Yeah. Um, but if you do care, there's there's a whole world out there. Yeah. Uh, and you're covering it with milk and sugar. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. That's all cool. Excellent. All right, cool. <laughs> so, I'm going to keep going through this, this follow-up. I'm on the last page now. Yes. 
So, um, all right. So, Steve Arens via Twitter, uh, he's a fan of Mexican coffee, suggested I give that a shot. It's on the list. Uh, I'll get to it at some point. Um, he roasts his own using an iron skillet. He's roasted about six pounds so far and counting. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. I uh, Not too many people came back and said that we also roast like Marco, but he was one that did. Um, Scott Wilsey uh, via Twitter um, recommended uh, Trailhead Amaz- Amazon's coffee. Is that one you've ever tried? Trailhead Amazon? Is is that from the Amazon? From near a trailhead? Uh, <laughs> is- I t- I don't know. Or is this like Mountain Blast fresh coffee? Like, um, I don't know. Be- <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't. Okay. Well, I'm going to take that as a no, you haven't tried it. And yeah, anyway. No, I haven't. See, for all I know, this stuff is common in North America and, and you know, but maybe it is. Because like here, for example, Toby's Estate, you'll find everywhere. And, you know, like, because they, they're like a big coffee, you know, blend company in Australia that, that, that shipped a bunches of different cafes. And you'll see their little sign up everywhere. So, for all I knew, that's what that was. But apparently not. That's okay. Yeah, Toby sounds delicious. Toby's Estate, yeah. yeah, Sounds all right. It's not too bad, but honestly, no. Anyway, okay. Um, I, I am actually going to buy uh, a kilo of that at some point and grind it myself and make it myself and see if I can do a better job than the cafe does downstairs. So, But that's that's on the list Some at some point in the coming months. We'll see. Okay, friend of the show, Peter Evans, um, via Twitter, threatened to build his own ball mill to <laughs> instead of a grinder. I'm honestly not sure if that's an attempt to pulverize coffee. I mean, if that's the point, um, I'm not really sure how the particle size consistency would work with a ball mill because the last ball mill I was in, had anything to do with was pulverizing coal at a coal-fired power station. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't really all that precise. It was just a bunch of massive ball bearings, but oh, maybe he was kidding. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, friend of the show, Simon Pilot via Twitter and uh, also in person recommended Bunker Coffee for locals from Brisbane. Uh, also, Odin Dutton, who's another um, fellow Brisbaneite, recommended LTE in the Valley. So, if you're a Brisbaneite and you're listening to the show, um, check those out. I, they're on my list uh, and uh, uh, I'll get to that. They sound, they look pretty nice. Um, also, friend of the show, David Lagarde via Twitter noted that he used the same thermos that I do. So, yeah, thumbs up for that one. Uh, Chris Gonzalez wrote uh, on his blog, um, Spark Journal, about his coffee habits. He was spurred on by the episode, so it was uh, it was interesting to read how he uh, about his AeroPress and the way he does these. There's a link in the show notes, um, but as he doesn't listen to the show regularly, I can uh, I can reject his apology anyway for not listening. There you go, and he's never going to hear it. There we go. Um, never mind. If you read the article, it'll make sense. Uh, Florian asked on Twitter, um, uh, many guessed uh, that the outro music from the last episode was actually a medley of the uh, um, of the fish uh, song that was the um, used for your built for the build and analyze um, podcast theme for the last most half of it, if that, if you remember. Anyway, so yay to mm-hmm. you, listeners, if you got the reference. For shame if you didn't, um, and you should go back and listen to build and analyze anyway. Okay, um, coffee napping. So. <sighs> Friend of the show, and I have no idea how to pronounce this. I'm going to mangle it, but here we go. Makaj Rutkowski. That's my best effort. I'm really sorry, mate. Anyway. Probably Mache, maybe. Maybe Mache. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And he sent through uh, a link to an article uh, on Vox about coffee napping. I have never heard of this. Have you ever come across this before? I I hadn't. I, I think I'd seen rumblings, but but generally no. And and I read this. This is very interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it you know the the only problem is that they said like we haven't actually observed this happening in experiments. We just are pretty sure this is what happens. Um, so you know take it with a grain of salt. But uh, it's pretty interesting, and, and certainly it certainly seems to match 
Um, anecdotally, the way I feel when I'm tired and I have coffee or I have coffee after a nap or I, or I choose a nap or coffee or both, it, this certainly seems to match what I feel, except that, um, yeah, it, it just, it works as far as I know. Yeah. Well, I honestly, my problem is that in getting to sleep before the rush of coffee really hits me and then prevents me from going to sleep is my problem is I can't actually get to sleep quick enough unless I'm already exhausted which why would I then be drinking coffee to I don't get it so anyway if it works for you it- well that's exactly it like so so the the theory here um is that uh your brain feels tired as uh is it adenosine yes however however that's pronounced yep, in our various countries yeah uh, as adenosine binds to certain reactors, your brain feels tired, and this is a natural a natural process your brain apparently does uh, with just time and also while doing intellectual work, and this makes you feel tired. And then when you sleep, the adenosine rea- uh, receptors that make you tired are kind of naturally cleared out to make way for future tiredness. Um, and the way caffeine works is caffeine competes with the adenosine for those same receptors and therefore blocks the adenosine from taking them so it kind of artificially keeps you feeling awake because your brain's tired things aren't hitting their plugs yeah. <laughs> basically yeah, that's it. um and so the theory is uh that if you if you're already very tired when you start to drink coffee a lot of these these, these receptors are already full of adenosine and so it's not like the caffeine has a harder time being effective because like you're already too tired like it, it can't compete as well with already full receptors basically yeah. and, and i i hope we're not making some biologist freak out and <laughs> cry with with the way i'm probably mangling this this, this explanation yeah but uh so i apologize for for that if i am mangling i'm trying to give you the, the high level overview of what this article seems to be saying yeah uh, anyway so the idea is if you drink a bunch of coffee and then fall asleep within like 20 minutes mm. then uh, as the coffee gets through your, your digestive system and starts to take effect in the bloodstream, you will already be asleep and the brain will be clearing out these receptors. And so the coffee will arrive just in time to occupy the newly empty receptors. Therefore, when you wake up, the coffee will have bound these receptors, adenosine will be blocked from joining it again for a, for a long time, and then you will you will therefore be more awake and more alert for longer than if you had done either a coffee by itself or a nap by itself. Yeah. And it's and it's an interesting uh, interesting theory. I again I don't know how much science there is behind this, but it's an interesting theory. Uh, I have found just anecdotally that uh, when I'm really tired, like after like it's, if I have like a big lunch and then I'm really tired at like three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, I I have found I found that coffee by itself doesn't really keep me awake. And a lot of times I will have coffee trying to stay awake realize it's not doing anything and i'm working horribly and barely staying awake and you know let me try to take a quick nap so i'll go take a quick nap and i'll wake up and feel great so i i kind of have i i've i've felt effects and and seen behaviors in myself that at least seem to back up to back up that this might be what's happening i've also found that the best time to have coffee i mean I don't think it's. I don't think you need to try to try to like race it where like you have a cup of coffee before the nap, then take the nap, and then try to wake up wake up in twenty minutes. Yeah. I think if you're gonna do this, I think the best way to do it is to just take the nap and then have coffee as soon as you wake up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's probably like I, I'm sure the difference in how it in like the the amount of adenosine that's built up in in the meantime there. I'm sure it's a very small difference. Yeah. And it's probably just much easier to do that. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what the only way it would work for me. But then that would make it not a coffee nap. And you know. So I guess my problem is that. Um, 
okay, hands hands up. Some people can actually fall asleep uh, very quickly. I just happen to not be one of those people. So, um, you know. But anyway, it's okay. I, I thought it was interesting. So thank you for sending that link in. It was it was it was definitely interesting. So, um, link in the show notes if you're interested in more about that. So okay. Um, next one is quantities of coffee and how much you can make with an AeroPress. And and honestly, I. I went mad at a um, my wife's 40th um, birthday party, which was a few months ago, just before the kidney stone incident. And I think I made seven of them in a very short period of time with the AeroPress. And yeah, that thing gets really hot after a while. Uh, I kept, you know, you rinse it under cold water, try and cool it down before you make the next one. And it's, uh, you know, making multiple coffees with an AeroPress one after the other is, is not necessarily as efficient. So um, Dean Murphy also via Twitter mentioned that um, he prefers to use the AeroPress for solo cups. Uh, <clears throat> V60 for two to three cups and French press for three or more cups. So, have you ever? Um, what do you? What are your experiences? Do you ever make coffee on mass? Like um, when you have a, a, a get together or something, and you make a lot of it? Would you? Or would you, would you just use the AeroPress in that case? Or what would you? What have you done? Well, because it's only twenty five dollars, I I actually own three AeroPresses. One of them is like like one of them is breaking it on its way out. It's getting those big cracks on the sides. Uh, because they do after a long time, um, but I so I actually have two that I use regularly, and there that therefore I can make my wife and I each a cup with our own press, so we it can be like exactly the ratios we like, exactly the kind of coffee we like, etc. Um, so I do that, and I have used the two error press technique to make coffee for multiple people on on occasion. But that being said. I know it's a pain, and if you're like, I wouldn't make seven cups with the AeroPress. So what I would do in that case is, uh, I would, I, I like the Chemex, which the, the, there's nothing particularly special about a Chemex. It is a hourglass-shaped piece of glass that is shaped such that it it, it can hold a pour-over filter on top. So it's basically a pour-over vessel. Um, whatever it is about it, and I don't know, I don't know exactly. I've had, I have the V60, I have French presses. French presses work a little differently anyway, but uh, I, I have fancier pour-over things. And for whatever reason, I just like the Chemex flavor the best. And I, I can't explain it. Maybe it's the big, weird square filters. I don't know. But whatever it is, I like the Chemex the best. I do recommend, if you're going to get one, get the glass-handled one, not the wooden-handled one. The wooden-handled one looks cool. I have one. It's a giant pain in the butt because it's very hard to, to ever take that off to clean and put it back on and everything. And it's hard to hold if you got a big one. So I would say... Get the glass handled one. It's it's probably way more practical. That being said, and if if my wooden one ever breaks, I will definitely get the glass handled one. I'm not. I wouldn't buy another one like this. Okay. Anyway, um, so you know, it's hard to say like, oh well, if you're making this, use this. If you're making this, use this, because all of these methods taste different. Yeah. And so you're 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 making different styles of coffee with them. Yes. Um, that was my so problem. the AeroPress. Yeah, I mean the AeroPress by by most people's estimation tastes the best yeah and certainly in my opinion it, it tastes the best and that it's not by a small margin it, it's not a subtle difference mm. if, if you make if you make an AeroPress cup well um it's it's quite a quite a big difference from anything else that being said a lot of people don't a lot of people just treat the AeroPress like a french press mm. <laughs> like they'll, they'll they'll use like a very coarse grind mm-hmm. they use a you know a three to four minute brew time and Okay, you're basically like you're basically turning it into a French press, and that's fine. But you know that's different from kind of what it's made for, and 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 the way that most of us are talking about. It. And so, if you like that better, if you if you like a French press taste better, uh, which I personally don't, uh, I find it weak and too sweet. Mm-hmm. But if if you like the French press taste, great. Yeah. 
but but if you if you like the AeroPress taste and you want to make a whole bunch of it, there's pretty much nothing that can do that, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my solution there is just have fewer friends. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, I'm going to leave that one alone. But you know what? Um, the funny thing, just as another side note, this isn't in the notes, but just just uh, people are now in my family and my extended family are coming to know me as the coffee nut. Um, it's, I guess that was probably inevitable, but anyway, and, um, my, one of my brothers-in-law, um, when now, whenever he comes to, comes to visit with, um, you know, with his, um, this, uh, daughter and everything, it's like, and my niece, it's like, he'll walk in the door or whatever else. I say, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, good. And I'm like, would you like me to make you a, yes, please. <laughs> I'm like I didn't even get a chance <laughs> to finish the sentence, and I'm over there at the AeroPress making a cup of coffee, and he's there like a, um, I don't know, like a eager school kid or whatever, waiting for their lunch at the. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm, this is this is this is like this is uh, a, it's like if if your family re- realizes that you know something about computers, yes. Like as soon as they see you, <laughs> hey, my computer's been slow recently. Can you come over and look at That's it? it. So suddenly people are complaining, we don't want to come and visit John because you live out in the sticks and it's like, because I don't live actually in Brisbane and uh, suddenly people don't mind coming out here so much anymore because they're like, oh, John can make us a nice cup of coffee. I'm like, <laughs> I never ever expected that, but it's what's happening. So there you go. Anyway, all right. Um, so John May uh, from Devon in the UK. Uh, so uh, John May. From the UK. There you go. See, it rhymes. Anyway, uh, in the feedback form, uh, was discussing the quality of the water that he that we use to brew coffee and indicated that there was a notable difference in taste in the water between London and Devon. So, when he would make a cup of coffee when he's at work uh, in London or when he's at home in Devon is that he could actually taste the difference. Um, I think we briefly touched on this, but um, I'll be honest, uh, the, the water here tastes very much the same between where I live and where I work. And it's probably because it's all connected through a water grid and you can't tell where the water's coming from. And I know because I help do programming on half the water grid here. So um, the thing is that, um, yeah, it's, uh, have you ever noticed that uh, as being much of a, a taste influence in your coffee? Um, I haven't noticed it at home because we just have really good water. You know, we like we have like the water that New York is famous for. It, it also comes through Westchester, so we have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have noticed it when I go to other places, and like even like I will I will bring my coffee stuff with me somewhere like upstate or you know to our parents' houses or whatever. I'll bring my coffee equipment and make everything exactly the way I would have made it, and it won't be as good. Uh, I'll even I'll even bring my own beans that I just roasted. Like you know, I'll I'll, I'll set up everything. I have like the right grinder. I have an AeroPress. I have exactly what like this exact same setup and procedure and beans that I would normally make myself. I'll bring it you know two hours upstate where the water's different um, and try to make it there and and it doesn't it doesn't work as as well. So mm. of course you know coffee is mostly water. Like the the if there is a taste to the water, uh, especially if it's a bad taste or or a weird taste, you're gonna notice that. And if it's a really good taste, you're going to notice that. So, you know, the next thing we need to do, Marco, is we need to uh, invest in a bunch of different brands of bottled water and find the one we like the best. And then we'll take bottled water with us when we go away. And that way we get a consistent cup. <laughs> <laughs> I, or I could just bottle New York water. I'll just, that's just an, bring a giant thermos of That's another option, yes. <laughs> so, because, you know, because you get like Evian, 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 I don't even know how to pronounce that. I don't even, anyway. So, you get all these different brands of water. Get, hey, I wonder about ozonated water. Hmm. Anyway. Okay. 
Um, oh, God. Yeah, I know. Just stop putting milk and sugar in it. So let's start with step one. Step, that, that's step one. That says, okay. Well, you're, you're talking about step a thousand. Like, so start, start at step one. Okay. I, I, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just for you. I am going to um, make a cup of coffee later this morning with less coffee in it with no milk. Just for you, Marco. So, I will do that this morning. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Okay. So, um, the next one I love, and we're almost at the end of the follow-up. So, um, if you're still listening... Wait, is there a show after there this? There is actually supposed to be a show after this. I hope we have time. Do you have time? Oh, my God. I might not. We'll see. Okay, God. Let's, let's see we, we'll see if we can get done. Okay, okay, cool. So, um, uh, a friend of the show, uh, Marco Arment, uh, oh, that's you, yes, wrote about um, elephant pooed coffee. Uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> I cannot believe this because I, when I first heard about the... Uh, Kopi Luwak, I think it is, uh, in Indonesia. I actually saw it on a travel show once. And because um, it's uh, the civet or sive, I have no idea how to pronounce it. Um, so, it eats the coffee bean and then poos it out. You clear out off all the roughage and you're left with the coffee bean. Then you grind it and you charge a stupid amount of money for it. So, oh my God, why do people do this? I don't get it. You wrote, wrote an article about how much you thought it was a great idea. Oh yeah, no, no. So I'm not sure much else so, to say. Yeah, but. <laughs> there. Yeah, I mean, so Kopi Luwak is, you know, turns out it it sounds weird because the whole process is you you let this civet or civet, I, I don't know how to pronounce it either. Yeah. Uh, you, you you let this creature, which is kind of like a cat-like wild creature, you let it eat the beans. It poops out the beans. You brew the beans, and they you pick the beans out of the poop. You then brew the beans, and then supposedly it's amazing. And you know the 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 word of this got around to everyday society somehow over the last few years, mm. and which has resulted in, in two problems. One, the easier of the two problems to address, is that every person in the world always asks me once they hear that I'm into coffee. Oh, have you had that cat poop coffee? <laughs> yeah. And the answer is no. I've never had it. I, I've never seen it for sale in a place that I could just buy, like, one cup. Yeah. You know, you can buy it online for, like, a billion dollars a pound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never thought it was worth the risk. So, you know, yeah. if it's if I ever go to a coffee store and it's available for one cup for, you know, 10 bucks or whatever, I'll, I might try it. I don't know. But the, the bigger problem is that because there's been all this demand for coffee that has been pushed through these civets, um, they are now being bred in captivity and, like, force-fed coffee beans mm. and... So it's they've they've kind of ruined this whole thing and made it quite cruel and so now and that that's probably the why like even if I saw it for sale now I I probably would talk myself out of even buying a cup because I'm I don't think I want to support that no. um so it's it's not good so anyway um stay away from from Kopi Luwak is what I would recommend yeah um anyway so the, the, the this story is there's this guy I think was it in Thailand where is he he's he's somewhere yeah somewhere uh. I think anyway he's uh he's offering uh elephant poop coffee which is a similar idea coffee that's been fed to elephants has fermented somewhat in their stomachs and then they poop it out some people go through it pick it out and brew it and he's offering it as like this whole experience where like, you can't just buy it online for the most part or I, I think he changed that recently I think now you can but um he's making this whole experience out of it saying it's so different it's like tea it's more mild uh I think most of that is probably not the result of anything specific happening in the elephant um i also like i i question the idea you know he was saying 
he, he, they, he that like some some elephant people were consulted and they said that it shouldn't be a problem for the elephant as long as caffeine isn't leaching out of the beans. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure caffeine has to be leaching out of the beans yeah. uh, to some degree because that's pretty much how decaf works. Uh, so I, I would again question, you know, I'm pretty sure that the that a, a good portion of caffeine would be going into the elephant, and that's probably not good for it, yeah. depending on how much they're doing at a time. Um, either way, I, I there's certainly an animal cruelty angle that that is that is worth questioning and investigating. Even even if it's being done in a perfectly you know okay to the animal way, uh, I still don't think it would be worth trying. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just doesn't seem like people people will people fetishize coffee so much and, and they will do anything to get something a little bit different and fancier out of it. This is you know what we were saying earlier with the mm-hmm. with the obsession with fancy equipment versus the cheap equipment that is just as good. Yes. Um, People people fetishize this stuff, and there's money to be made. And and I don't think the guy is necessarily like you know a, a con artist. I mean, maybe he actually believes that there is a big difference and likes the difference and doesn't think you can get it any other way. Um, you know, I I don't I don't know what he, what his motivations are. He he probably enjoys it. He probably thinks he's doing something something really unique, and and he might be, but but I don't I don't think it's worth it. You know, like there there are other ways to ferment coffee beans. That have been done forever. Yeah, uh, exactly. That make them taste different, and and so uh, I I really wouldn't. I, I again I I think this is probably just a gimmick that that we can safely ignore. Yeah, exactly. And 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 there is because there is that potential animal cruelty angle to it. I think it's probably the best thing to ignore it. Don't I don't get it. Move along. But anyhow, there you go. So, um, and just quickly about the palm civets as well. Um, Peter Evans on Twitter suggested that um, true connoisseurs will uh, roast the civet and then extract the beans. <laughs> and I, uh, yeah, no. So anyway, <clears throat> thank you, Peter. It's different. I'll give you that. <laughs> it is different. Yeah, it takes cruelty to a whole new level. Thank you, Peter, for that. Anyway, okay. Um, two more to go. Uh, so Troy Burnett, uh, via the feedback form, had a few few comments uh, and he said uh, he prefers a two-stage grind honestly um, I tried it and didn't really notice any difference um, so uh, I'm not sure what the advantage is there the two-stage grind if you're doing a manually perhaps maybe it may in each individual grind might be in and of itself easier but the problem is that you've got to grind twice as long and I found that grinding the already pre-ground stuff um, just seemed to take a lot longer I'm not sure because maybe the, the the way the powder and the conical burrs work and the grinder, I'm not sure. But uh, in any case, I'm yeah, I I, I wouldn't recommend necessarily two stage grinding based on my experiences. But still, uh, pre wetting the filter uh, having has he also suggested uh, has no effect on taste, but it makes it easier to stick the filter to the cap if you're using the inverted method. And I had a few people come back uh, say that as well on Twitter. So uh, honestly, I actually did try the inverted method. I know that's the way you make yours and. Honestly, uh, I had a, an incident where perhaps uh, the plunger wasn't seated properly and I kind of bumped it and the coffee kind of went everywhere. Uh, so that was my own fault. But I, I also found that I made it that way a few times and I couldn't quite get it to seat properly. The filter didn't quite seat properly when I put the cap on. Not sure what I was doing wrong, but I just found that I was getting the occasional co- a coffee ground in the coffee when I tipped it up the right way and did the press. So I've just gone to making it the... the I want to say the normal way up, the intended way up, I guess. I don't know. I know a lot of people swear by the inverted method, but, you know, I, yeah, 
I've stuck with the... I mean, the fact is, they don't taste very different. Like, oh, it, it, no. In fact, I, I'm not even sure I'd be able to pick one out in a blind test. No. Um, it, the main the main benefit the inverter method gives you is more control over how much water you're using yes. if you're not measuring the water beforehand. And, and I don't measure the water beforehand. I just brew you know a pot of water, and then I, I know how much I've poured it in based on the amount that's in the AeroPress right before I plunge it. So yes. uh, it's useful for that, but taste-wise... You know, I don't. I, I think you know if you if you're more comfortable with the regular method, just use the regular method. Doesn't matter. Yep. Okay. Uh, last bit of follow up, and that is from Richard Howe via the feedback form, and he wanted us to talk a little bit about the differences between coffee style and culture between Australia, which has a near total emphasis on espresso milk coffee, and North America, which is brewed coffee far more common than espresso. You know, notwithstanding Starbucks. Uh, and how those differences developed. And I guess I, I, I'd love to talk more about that and I guess we'll do our best, but I have not... Okay, I lived in North America for two and a half years, fine, but I wasn't into coffee back then and that was 15 years ago. So, I don't really qualify to compare and contrast the differences. Also, I it's, what I can do though is I can sort of... I found an article by um, Luke um, Moritz and it was posted on the Aromas Coffee page, an Australian um, coffee page. And um, I guess I'll just quickly try and pick your brains a bit about this, Marco. And essentially, if you order any coffee with foam on top, you'll almost always get a spoon and it'll come with pre-sprinkled with chocolate powder. Is that the case in the US? I don't think so. Usually, they just give us the stupid lemon uh, peel that no one ever knows really what to do with. Lemon peel? Really? Yeah, it's it's some kind of supposedly it's an old Italian tradition with espresso drinks. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I think when I last time I researched it, I think I wasn't able to actually find good information about what it definitely was. I think it was just people speculating. Yeah. The, the, okay. But, fair enough. Let's see. I've always found that odd here, and I've sort of wondered why why they they do the 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 spoon and the coffee pa- and the chocolate powder. I don't get that. Um, but they just seem to probably just because it looks good. I mean, yeah, it looks good. I, I don't think you're going to notice the the taste of one spoon lightly dusted in coffee in chocolate powder mm. like if you put that in coffee it's it's going to be dwarfed by the coffee i mean like, oh, sure. you're not going to notice that taste. yeah absolutely uh, anyway okay so the uh, next 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 point was the hanging around in a cafe um in australia you pretty much my experience is that you go and you grab a you grab a cup and then you go um you, that's it you don't hang around uh, most of the cafes are relatively small with very few seats. Uh, there, there are some of the larger ones, but every time I go past them during the different times of the day, they're almost entirely empty, and uh, unless it's lunchtime, and then you've you've got coffee plus, you know, plus food or whatever else there that, that they may serve. But generally, I find that you know, in, in Australia, hanging out in a coffee shop all day, you know, like programming, writing, whatever else, uh, cafe culture or whatever I think some people call it whatever it's just not really much of a thing here but I think it's more so in the states I guess I've never really been that into it so I'm probably not the right person to, to ask mm. uh, I certainly it, it causes trouble in the states um, it mostly with like if you are the coffee shop owner if your coffee shop is full of people who sit there with laptops all day long and order like one drink that that kind of sucks yeah uh, for you as the, as the owner, yeah, um, eating up all the Wi-Fi. A lot of people, yeah, like a lot of people, kind of make the coffee shop their office. Yeah, but that it's like the coffee shop is usually not getting enough value out of you making it your office for <laughs> for it to really be 
be sustainable for them. Yeah, that's right. Um, I know a lot of coffee shops have tried various techniques, like either either banning laptops outright uh, or wow. not having Wi-Fi and making a point of that. Um, some I, I heard of some a few years ago that they just didn't have power outlets available to anybody. <laughs> so oh, you okay. kind of naturally run out of battery power. The problem is, since then, uh, laptop battery lives have gone way up in the last few years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and uh and cellular data connectivity is is more and more universal for people so it's <laughs> i think those tricks are going to stop working yeah uh, but anyway uh yeah i i think you know if you're one of those people who who makes a coffee shop your office maybe reconsider whether you're really doing any benefit to them at all or whether you're really just being a leech <laughs> yeah exactly i, I com- completely agree with that so the last uh, the last point on uh, Richard's list that I want to talk about is uh, house coffee. Um, so here, well, okay, in North America, what I, what I read in this article by Luke Moritus was that uh, in North America, house coffee is typically done with a drip percolator, and it's cheap, so much cheaper than um, you know the other other types of coffee that they they would offer, and that would mean you get more, you know, obviously you get more the most uh, here in Australia. That's just not done generally there is no there's no equivalent it's just you want you you're going to get um an espresso based coffee that's it and it's going to be more expensive so is is that true or is that article full of it um because i've never heard of house coffee before uh, does it that does it literally just mean coffee that people serve you when you're in your ha- when you're in their house no no no, I mean- no no what i mean what what the article suggests is that you go into a cafe and there's a a very cheap coffee that you can get that's just percolated coffee oh 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 um usually i usually there is like the regular coffee that you get if you just ask for coffee it is not percolated that's very it's usually made on a on a large auto drip machine the large industrial auto drip machines okay yeah uh, by bun or whoever Mm -hmm. um percolate percolated coffee is very different and awful yes and and just way way worse than any method we've talked about um everything about percolated coffee is horrendous But it's not um, it, freshly it ground. The point is, it's not freshly ground, though, right? So you, yeah, right. <laughs> well, it it usually was freshly ground when they when they brewed the pot. Usually, they have giant commercial grinders near the pots, right. and uh, when they're ready to make a batch, they grind some, dump it in the giant filter basket, put the filter basket in, and hit brew. And it brews, I don't know, two gallons or whatever, you know, some amount of coffee. Yeah. Um, uh, and and that's fine. I mean, it's that is. It's not the best you can get. Mm. You know, a, a manual pour over will be better for various ratio reasons, mm-hmm. but that's not really like it's not that much worse. It, it it has more to do with the beans they're choosing to use than than the method they're using. Because usually mm-hmm. at a respectable coffee shop, even even those house coffees or de, or default coffees, even those are only you know maybe an hour old at most. If you go in the morning, it's probably even younger than that. Uh, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that. All right, cool. Alrighty. Well, believe it or not, we just got to the end of the follow-up, and uh, we've only been going for. What is the show about? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. All right. Thanks for coming back on to talk about coffee again, Marco. Um, we might we might leave it there <laughs> on the coffee. 